0: Welcome to The Life Church. We are so excited that you've tuned into our program to listen to a wonderful message. On behalf of Pastor Walt Landers, our senior pastor, we just want to say thank you. Our mission here at The Life Church is to connect people with God's purpose. If you don't already have a church home, we want to invite you to join us at 3301 TLC Way. Now let's prepare our hearts to receive a word from God through this morning's message.
1: Um, You know, I just got something I really want to share this morning. It's stuff that I believe that God's been showing me, um, stuff for my life, um, stuff I believe that is for the church, and not only just this church, I believe the Capital C Church, um, and uh, some some things for us to look at. And, And so I just really want to share that, and so hopefully you understand that the heart that I share is really of my own walk, it's my own path, my own struggle, my own learning, my own revelation, that I'm going to try my best to share with you all. Um, so if you'll stay with me this morning, but last week I had to do some work. Actually, I had to take that back. I didn't have to do some work. Um, I chose to do some work last Saturday night because you see my family decided to watch a chick flick. Now, in case you don't know, I have a wife, I have two daughters, two teenage daughters. I know. Thank you for your prayers. And, um, and then I have a female dog and a cat that's been neutered. So I've got a house full of females. And, um, and they decided to watch a chick flick, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do, and, and this and that. And so I decided, you know what, I, um, some stuff I just want to take care of. I was like, I'll just put in some headphones, and I'll just go uh, come over here and do some work, and it's all good. And I get back there, and I'm in the media booth back there, and I'm doing some work. Computer goes down on me. And so I happened to find myself, in total coincidence, right? I find myself in the church's kitchen closet, you know, where we keep all the snacks, All the little, all the goodies. Um, And I find myself some Kit Kat bites. Sorry, youth, uh, that I stole from you. Um, And so, but you know how it is. Uh, I figure I paid my dues being the youth pastor long enough. That's just the way it is. And so <laughs> Chris is chuckling. <laughs> it's like, but uh, and, I, and so I, I stack up these Kit Kat bites and I I take them back over to the media booth and I sit back at the computer. It's it's rebooting and and um, start popping Kit Kat bites. Just popping Kit Kat bites. Man, those are good. Who loves a kid Kit Kat? And um and, and I'm like three or four in. I think I'm just gonna round down. We'll just say three or four in. And, and then and then all of a sudden it hits me. And my eyes got big, and, and I was like, "Oh my goodness! New Year's resolution. I gave up sugar." <laughs> uh-huh. Anybody with me? If you if you had a New Year's resolution and you already messed up on your New Year's New Year's resolution, maybe you went further than mess up and you just gave up. Right? You're just like, "I'm done. I'm not even trying this anymore." And uh, I tell you, I was so I'm three or four Kit Kats in. I figured, well. I already messed up. Might as well finish what I got. <laughs> finish off those Kit Kats. And I feel like the prodigal son. I love the story of the prodigal son. You know, it's like, he's gonna, if he's going to mess up, he's going to mess up big. He's going to take his dad's inheritance or his inheritance from his dad, and he's going to run off, and he's going to blow it on partying and living it up and prostitutes and, and just binging it out and, um, and all that kind of stuff. And if he's going to go, he's going to go big. And I was like, but... I returned home, right? Like the prodigal son, like, like, okay, I had my sugar binge. I was like, okay, but I quit from there. I've been good since then for the most part, for the most part. And uh, sometimes I keep forgetting, like I made this commitment. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah. And and, uh, so it's like sweet tea at Rose's, oh, sugar. And uh, anyway, but I returned home, returned home like the prodigal son. I love this story. I don't know, I feel like, I don't know about you, and I know I don't preach a lot. I preach often enough. And I feel like I, I share this story almost like every time I preach. But, but what do I really have? I have the same message of Jesus and his grace every time. It's just packaged differently. And it's all the same thing. But, and so I love this story of the prodigal son returning home. You know, the, the father could have had every legal right to murder the son for asking for his inheritance and leaving. He had every still same legal right to murder his son for returning And yet the son, even for the wrong reasons, not even the right reasons, and would return home to such a loving father. But in this story, we so often focus on the prodigal son, even in our Bibles, it's so often labeled as the prodigal son. And I've talked about plenty of times where we should focus on the good father. This should be the story of the good father, or sometimes you even see the patient father. Because of how good he is to take back the son that would waste away his inheritance, who he was, his name even. But yet the father would put on a robe around his son to cover his filthiness. The father would put a ring on his finger to signify his royalty and his authority. The same as he does for us. But see, in this story, Jesus' audience most likely would have been Jewish. Jesus was speaking to people who claimed they knew God. Claimed they were close to God. I believe that's what we see even in the story. Jesus is speaking to people who are a part of the family of God. Yet rebelled and left the family of God, said, I know who you are, Father, and I even know how good you are, which is why I would even be so bold as to take what is not truly mine and to leave. But there's another son in the story that i focus on many times and I've talked about him many times, but I've never seen it in this way. And so in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us a story. And Luke 15 has... Three great stories about the things that are lost and found. But in verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. It was when the, son, when the prodigal son returned home. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants that was going, what was going on. Your brother is back. He was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Can I get an amen on that? You may not even know, but, but we're believing this year that there's going to be a safe return of many who have been a part of this family and have left. Maybe you're believing for a safe return of people that have been a part of your family and have left. Pastor Walt's been standing on that for a long time because sometimes in life, because it's just hard and things come at us, we experience, even in the church, we experience pain and disappointment and regret and shame. And people leave the church. People leave. They try to run away from God as if they could run away any more than Jonah could. And yet we'll leave where we think God is to be and try to avoid where he's at, to be where he's not. And I don't know about you, but I want to believe for a safe return for people who belong in this church, for people who who belong a part of this family, and people who have not yet even known this family, that they would just understand that as they walk through these doors, that they're home, that you're home. Maybe you've been gone. Maybe you've been wrestling with this aspect of church. So let's see who Jesus is. And in verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for the feast with my friends. Yet when this son, this son, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? I don't understand this, God. God, this is not how I would do things. God, this isn't how I would do things. This isn't going how I think it should be going. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a shift in culture. There's always been a shift in culture, but we tend to measure things by generations or even decades in how we see it. And as Christians, I know that we tend to see as the church a shifting culture, maybe a shift that we're not all settled with, okay with. It looks different than how I was brought up. It looks different how I think it should be. The older son is sitting here looking in the grace of his father and the love of his father saying, but father, this is not how it should be. Shouldn't he have to do something or earn something, jump through the hoops and juggle the, the fire to be able to come back into your good standing? How can you receive him? Father, don't you know that he may go back and, and maybe he's home, but maybe, maybe the prostitutes come with him. Maybe the drugs come with him. Maybe the, the stuff that he's doing, and he's just going to hide off in the side and he's going to continue to party. And I remember, just imagine Jesus and this father in this situation just saying, I know, but I still love him. I know, but he's still welcome here. I know, but I'm still going to draw him in. I'm still going to claim him. I'm still going to give him my name. I'm still going to put a robe on him and a, fi- and a ring on his finger. I know. Sometimes we find it hard in this, this culture shift. I wonder if the brother, the brother sits here and criticizes his father for, for the level of grace. And as I know myself and my own human tendencies, and as I see social media tendencies, I wonder if the son would have, would have ridiculed or questioned or criticized, or we can take criticize and use a nicer word, critiqued his father. Even his father had been too hard. Oh, but dad, dad, come on now. Hey, he came back. You're being a little tough on him. When we live in a culture where we're just constantly criticizing everything, no matter which way it goes, we find a, a, ourselves in a position of needing to criticize. It's the way the world works. It's the environment that we're raised in and what we're exposed to and maybe even set to before we're even aware of it. I watched this YouTube video yesterday and, uh, and this, this lady on the YouTube video, I don't know what organization it was, and uh, she was looking at particular people's tweets during the bowl games for all the college teams, and and looking at particular guys who were criticizing kickers for missing field goals, any field goal barely even missed, and there yet there was this critici- criticizing that was taking place, this, this, this extending of my opinion upon someone else, right? And um, because it doesn't look like how I think it should look, and yet. And so she, she brought in these guys who had been criticizing and she flies them to their studio and they're in this big warehouse and they had a goal post set up and, and the fake football field and and a little tee. It wasn't even like someone holding it. Like I mean it was even elevated to try to help the guys out and they didn't know what they were showing up for. They just knew, "Hey, we saw your tweets. We're bringing you in." They probably thought they were coming in for like a commentator's job. Be like, "That's right. I destroyed that kicker on social media. I tore him up. I'm going to get a commentator's job." You know. And one guy, he even walks in and he's just all proud, just just chest raised high and and uh, and, and he comes in and all of a sudden she's like, "Hey, so I noticed this thing about you, because I know none, none of us, none of us do this kind of thing, or have ever done this kind of thing. And and, and and she goes, why don't you read this? Read what you wrote. And all of a sudden, there's like this moment where it kind of sunk in that they were set up. And, uh, and she's like, so what we've done is, um, so how far was that field goal that he missed? he said like, oh, that was a long one. That was like 50 yards, da, da, da. Um, so there's a 27 yard field goal, uh, that he missed. And so we set you up here on the 27 yard field goal and we want to see you do this. <laughs> like, it was so awesome watching the guy who has no experience walking up, like running up and trying to toe punch this ball through the field goal through the uprights and fail miserably come across the top and just like kind of roll off to the side. Not even like, not even straight ahead, much less even get it off the ground. You know what I mean? And like all three, the last guy, the last guy's up there to try to kick a 52 yard field goal because that's the length that he criticized the guy for. You know, it's a whole different position when all of a sudden we're put in that place. I know there have been times as a Christian that I've forgotten the grace that I've received. I've forgotten my past and my mess-ups. and be- can become critical of the people coming in. People going out, the people that need to come in. We find ourselves in these situations because we measure the other person and what it really comes down to is a sense of control over other people. And the son complains to his dad. Bob Goff's got this amazing book called everybody always. And if you don't read, get the audio book. It's worth it. That's what I have. It's an amazing book. Everybody always. Just a book of stories by this amazing guy, Bob Goff, who's crazy. And he said, loving people doesn't mean we need to control their conduct. Loving people means caring without an agenda. As soon as we have an agenda, it's not love anymore and we love them yes with the hope that they're going to come in with the hope that the discipleship will happen that you come in and, and and yes you give your life to Jesus and and go into the next steps and become a member of the church and 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 find somebody that you connect with and maybe even get involved in a life group and and but we can't love you with the intent or or, or like sole purpose that that's got to be the way it is We just got to love you for who you are, not because of what you do. Love you for who you are, not because of what you accomplish. Love you for who you are because God loves you for who you are. And the same goes for us extending that to other Christians and even the world. And it's tough because things don't look like maybe you thought it would look like. We had a staff chapel this week and and i was i was speaking and and some of this was kind of what i was hitting on in this this idea that it doesn't look like you thought it would look like and and some of you you've been here a long time and can i say thank you you've been at this church longer than me you've been walking with jesus longer than me you've been doing this thing so much longer than me and it doesn't look like it did when you started and yet you're still here i know the music's loud I know the music's got electronic stuff in it, and you don't understand. You're like, where is my acoustic guitar? And it's different. The preaching's different than you you thought it would be, and it sounds different than, than when you experienced God, when you heard that worship song, and you were in church for the first time, and you came down to the altar, and God spoke to you. God did something in you. He broke something loose in your life, and you experienced freedom by letting go of what you thought it had to be. And yet, now we don't sing that song anymore. That's not the same music. My my granny's here on the front row, and I I loved towards the end of last year. At some point, we had her over, and we're talking to her about her music. And thank goodness for stuff like Spotify, where we can all of a sudden just pull up Elvis and just play some Elvis from our granny. It doesn't sound the same. It's a different expectation. But hopefully God is still here in these moments, just like he was when you experienced them back then. And even though things may be different than you thought it would be, you're still able to experience God. You're still able to move forward and and, and stay connected with Christianity and where it's going. And knowing that because culture shifts, there may be a shift. Joyce Meyer, this last week, was online apologizing. Joyce Meyer, she's an amazing name, love love her speaking and great teacher, changing the way you think and see things. But she had to come back and apologize because there had been a way she had functioned for so long as a pastor and speaker, a leader in Christianity, focused on things that had just gotten out of balance, that maybe they needed to, maybe those things needed to shift. She apologized for things regarding prosperity that had gotten out of balance she had apologized for things of, that she had uh, believed and made other people believe that, you know what? You're sick because you don't have enough faith. And she's come back and realized in the, in the moment of grace that that wasn't helpful and that wasn't true. And, and I love seeing that we, that kind of thing, that retraction, that taking it back. You know what? We just got off kilter. Can I imagine if the church could even possibly look like what Martin Luther thought it would look like centuries ago to, to go and, and hammer the thesis uh, onto the, the, the door of the Catholic church? Simply because, not because he was trying to create Protestantism and create a new sect of Christianity, a different, a different religion or of some sorts, but simply because the, the, the church at that time and the only church in that area had, had gotten off kilter and it was a pay-your-way pay salvation appealing to the rich and, and ignoring the poor and the widow and the orphan and, and those who are on their down and out and caring for them. It became about catering to the, to the rich and only for the sake of themselves. Let's be real. And he writes the thesis of, here's the things that are wrong that we've got to address. He had to be even convinced to do that. If it hadn't been for someone else, he, he, he not, might not have done it. I can only imagine how different things look today than what he possibly imagined so long ago. But things shift. And to our older generations or the generations of mine, or even if you're younger than me and you've still been in church longer than me, thank you. Thank you for setting a foundation of the church. And even though things may not look like you think it should look like, I want to encourage you to stay with it. And what I hear the brother also saying, the second thing that I heard him saying, and these are the things that I've said, is I'm not in control. As the brother is having to grasp, and he doesn't say this in scripture, we don't see this, but as I look at his language, as I look at how he's speaking, he's saying, I'm not in control of him, and I'm not in control. Because how many of you know we like being in control? And especially, even more so, when something is in control of us. I remember years ago when I decided it's time to quit smoking. I tried and, and tried and failed and, and, uh, and just picked up the habit. And, and, and no shame on anybody who is smoking. There's something I picked up. But I, I, I got to the point where I realized that this thing is controlling me. This tiny little piece of paper and junk inside is controlling me. whoa. I'm in control, right? That little thing can't control me. And maybe for you, it's not even smoking is your addiction go-to, right? We all have our addiction go-to. Maybe it's smoking, maybe it's smoking something else. Maybe it wasn't cigarettes was the problem. Maybe it's smoking something else. And maybe it's Coke, maybe it's cocaine. That's right, I said Coke first because you know, I'm talking about Coca-Cola some of you know, you, you, you addicted to caffeine like, like, it was ca- like it was cocaine, you know what I mean? Like you got that soda addiction, you know it's controlling you. We all got our thing. We all got our Netflix. We all got our, oh, getting modern now. We all got our thing, right, that we go to. And, uh, but I remember realizing this thing had control of me. So you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to muster up the courage and the strength and I'm going to take control of it. It's no longer going to control me. I'm going to control it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to have the strength. I'm going to have the determination, the fortitude. This is all me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to control it. Yeah, I think it laughed at me for a while. Of course, in the time of my wife trying to quit and I trying to quit, and when she's on, I'm off, and when I'm on, on and she's off, and, and we go back and forth, and, and one of us get free, and the other one brings bring us back, and, and it was this game. And I remember this, this moment where I finally just kind of felt like giving up. And not giving up and trying, but giving up in the sense that I had to let go of control. That I'm going to do everything that I can do. I'm going to do and try to do the right thing, but I'm going to give up controlling the outcome of the situation. The outcome of the results. The outcome of the getting free. And I tried so hard and so long to do it of my own strength. And what I realized in a moment, and even looking back, and I can't even remember the prayer, because there, and which is, I feel like sometimes it's a good thing because I don't want to give you a magic formula because there is no magic formula. All you have is you and your relationship with Jesus and what he's calling you to do and how to do it. But I remember a moment of letting go and just saying, I'm done with this. I'm, tr- I'm done trying so hard to break free of this addiction. It's no longer about me. Jesus, I need you. because the freedom I'm going to find is not going to be of my own strength, it's going to be of His. I feel like so many of us in the church, we've been trying to control things. We've been trying to control situations and circumstances. We've been trying to control everything that we can control to possibly get the out, the, 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 the results that we're expecting to get. We've been trying to control even, even our salvation. And, and at some point, you, you gave your life to Jesus, but yet then, and, and you knew it was all him and his sacrifice and his payment and his blood that was shed and not yours. But yet, at some point along the line, you, you felt like it was, it was the way you had to do it. You had to do it just right, and you had to follow the, the, the rule book just right, and, and you focused on the Ten Commandments. And, and but there's that one that just keeps getting you and hanging you up, and, and you quit. And it's your strength and your ability that you feel like is you got focused on. Maybe it's that thing, that miracle that you're needing to take place in your life. But if I can do it just right, if I can do the right things for God, then maybe just maybe he'll come through for me. And it's this aspect of control that you're that you're stuck in, that we're stuck in, that I'm stuck in, that at some point I got to realize I just got to let go of it. Because the results are beyond me, outside of me, and it doesn't exclude me from doing my part. I mean, you're a boss. You may have things you have to be in control of. You're you're a leader in a ministry, and you may be things you have to actually be in control of. You may be a parent, and there are absolutely some things you've got to be in control of. Maybe a captain of your softball team. You got to control something. In the sense of overseeing, but still in the sense of how it goes. It's not how I thought it was, should be. And I'm not in control. And then we see Jesus in Luke chapter 23. We see Jesus on the cross. He's been beaten. He's carried his cross. And he's hanging there. As he's hanging there in Luke chapter 23, verse 35, it says, The crowd watched And the leader scoffed. He saved the others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself, God. Save yourself. Prove to me that you are who you say you are. And a sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. The third thing and the other thing that we tend to try to control is God himself. As I listened and read them ridiculing Jesus, if you are who you say you are, Come on, God, we're in church this morning. If you are who you say you are, have you heard that before? Have you maybe just thought that before? You struggled with that before. We're trying to believe God is who we who we saying about him. The words that we said, the encouragement that Lindsay brought, are you facing a battle, but you can't see the victory? And she says, the victory is the Lord's. And if it's his, then it's ours. But, but man, it's hard right now. And not only am I in this place, I, I've, I've felt the people say this against me. Because you've had the world say, oh, if your God is who you say he is, then why are you struggling with depression? If your God is who you say he is, then why are you struggling with finances? And why is your family out of whack and rebellion? And, and if God is who he said he was, then why are you sick? And you're like, I don't know. I, I, I'm wrestling with this. God, if you are who you say you are, then, then what's going on in this world, this life? It's hard, it's hard. And even one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah. Are you? Prove it by saying, saving yourself and us too while you're at it. God, if you are who you say you are, I got to be able to get in on this. Because I'm going I'm to try to control the other person. I'm going to try to control my circumstances. I'm going to try to control you. And let me take a step back for a moment and and say that I try to control my circumstances because I don't honestly want to try to control me. I want the freedom to do whatever I think I want to do in my my core human nature. That I don't want to control me. One of the fruit of the spirits is self-control. Because it's not naturally that easy to us or desired by us. But the Holy Spirit comes along as we receive Jesus and he has these fruits that will focus in on who he is, says, this is, this is what I come with. This is what I come to to grow in your life, to produce in your life as you follow Jesus. And Jesus doesn't respond to him. I'm thankful for that. Of course, then I make up my own response, be like, yeah, you're about to find out who he is. Mm-hmm on the other end of eternity, my little smart elegantness, and Jesus doesn't respond to him. Have you faced challenges in the world, ridiculed by your coworkers, your family, for following Jesus, for believing in God? Maybe sometimes we just need to look at Jesus and be like, you know, a response is not warranted in this situation because I'm going to focus on love. And and, and I love this. Even unconditional love can feel like hell to someone who's rejecting it. Have you ever been in a situation of experiencing unconditional love? Maybe that was the love of the Father. Maybe you've struggled with this idea of God being as good as he is and as loving as he is because you and your weakness, you and your mistakes, you and your sins, you couldn't understand what unconditional love was, and it hurts. It didn't make sense. It wasn't logical. It wasn't practical. Of course, that's the very foundation of faith because if it made sense, then it would be easy to have faith. But yet God comes along and says, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to love you when you don't feel like you deserve it. And I'm going to do this for you when you feel like you haven't earned it. And this is all about me because I'm God and I love you. And Jesus replies to this other man who says, the other criminal Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds to the criminal why he is still a criminal, why he is still on the cross, why he is still in sin, why he is still who he was, not even transformed, not even changed other than changing his mind. And what he's doing in this moment that I see, is what he's doing in this moment that I see is he's letting go. He said, you know what? I'm no longer gonna hold on to other people and control them. I'm no longer gonna control my circumstances and my situation. And you say, well, yeah, he's a prisoner on a cross. What's he got left to control? He can barely even control his own breath as he hangs on a cross, suffocating to death. But let me tell you, in light of eternity, in light of eternity, everything we do, every decision we make, every word we say, every act of love that we, that we move out on in faith, in light of eternity, it all has value. And a lot of eternity, one experiencing hell because of the, 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 the concept of how he's living, and still, even, even while he is there being tortured by society and the culture that he has been in this position, not to say he's innocent, but as he is dying and suffering at the hands of the people, he is still thinking just like the people. His mindset hasn't changed. It's still being conformed to the ways of the world. And then yet we see this other prisoner who's no longer holding on to those things, trying to control what he cannot control. Because let's be real, when there's nothing left to control is when we so desperately try to control what is left. You've seen it in the people. You've seen it around you. You've seen it in your own life. And yet then we see this, this sinner who says, I let go of control. It is what it is. I deserve what I deserve but but God, but God, if you're big enough, because I know you are. Jesus responds to him, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Back in the previous story, of the prodigal son, his father said to the son that was, that was still fighting for control, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and now is alive. Jesus says this, he was dead and now he's alive. He has come home, we're gonna celebrate. Yes, the most valuable calf that we have, we're gonna give to him with no reservation. And he gives it to you. He gives it to you and he pours it out for you and and he clothed you with the robe of righteousness. And he places his ring on your finger. He says, you are my son. You are my daughter. And we're reminded in Matthew 10. And here's what we realize again that we must be willing to let go of the control. To let go of what we think is control the control of our circumstances, our surroundings, our culture, the control of the other people. And it says in Matthew 10:39, if you cling for your life, you will lose it. The harder you think that it's about your efforts and ability and talent or intelligence your giftings and you you clench down and say, I'm going to do this. I have enough strength. I am strong enough and determined enough to break this and get past this. Then your hands stay closed to what God is calling you and says, but if you give up your life for me, you will find it. You'll find it because I'll give it to you, he says. You'll find it because I will bless you. As We close up this morning and finish this. Are you here this morning? And and again, maybe you receive salvation. But you got off. And you thought it was all about you and your efforts. Towing the line, keeping it straight. You thought you would make your path straight. And you would light the path in front of you. And God says, no, no, no. You just follow me and you will see how straight the path is and you will see in which way to go as you just follow Jesus. But she said, no, 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 it's gotta be my ability and when i messed up, uh, I gotta make up for it. He says, no, 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 when you mess up, you just turn to me. Has it been a control issue? Maybe maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ because you've not found out how to let go of the control of your life and your situation and your circumstances. And you've experienced pain. You were hurt by the church and yet somehow there must be something that you must do to overcome the pain that was done to you. But the pain that was done to you cannot be undone by you. It's not your pain to bear, and I plead with you this morning to let go. Maybe there's a miracle in your life that you've been believing for, and you thought somehow you believe the thing that if I just show up in church all these Sundays and I read my Bible and I just do the right thing and I get it just the right way, that God's going to come through for me, and you've still been struggling with this pain, with this disease, with this addiction, with this heartache, with this broken family. But you've been thinking that the control was within your own grips. And I'm believing that there's some people that are gonna experience freedom by letting go this morning. That the freedom you've been seeking has not been within your own grasp because what's in your grasp is you. And God is saying this morning to us, if you'll let go of the control, if you'll let go of your way, your definition, your expectation, yourself, that you'll find my life. If I'm speaking to you this morning, Regarding salvation, I I, I encourage you and I challenge you right now to stand up with me. If you're needing a miracle in your life, stand up with me right now. If there's something you're believing for in your family, I encourage you to stand up with me right now. If there's something God is wanting to do in your life and you know it, then stand up with me right now. If it's in your work, then stand up with me right now. If it's in a situation that you just know, God, I've got to let go of control and I don't know how, it's scary. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what's next. And he says, don't worry. You just stay behind Jesus and you'll find out where he's leading you. You may not know right now until you get there. And if you're not standing with me right now, then I ask you to stand with those in faith for everyone else here this morning. And I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to pray for you if I can. God, we are sorry for holding on to what was never ours to hold on to, that we are holding on in control of, the, of those things that were never ours to control, and we were never meant to control those other people, and we were never meant to even try to control our circumstances, and that we were not meant to control you. And Father, right now, we commit to letting go. We open our hands and we raise them palms up to you, Father, to say we release control for what you want to do in our lives right now. Whatever it is that you want to do, you know our needs. You know our desires. You know our pain. And if you repeat these words after me, I just want to lead you in a small, simple prayer. And if you're believing with me this morning, I want you to pray with me. if you're believing for others, pray with me. And if you're just believing for the others and even in this congregation, in this family, I want you to believe with me. And everybody say, Dear God, thank you for your love and your grace, even when I did not love or when I didn't deserve it. I let go right now. I take hold of you. I need you, Jesus. Fill me with your love. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new that I would see like you. Speak your way and know your love. In the name of Jesus. And if you're with me this morning, give God a good amen and amen. And worship him for his goodness in your life. Praise him for who he is. Thank him for what he's doing. Even if you can't see it yet.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in for today's program at The Life Church. Our prayer is that you've been blessed by this morning's message and that God would continue to speak into your heart throughout the week. We are so excited about what God is doing right here at The Life Church as we connect people with God's purpose. Again, if you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us for a visit at thirty-three hundred one. TLC way. We have two Sunday morning services for you to choose from 9 15 and 11 a.m. Again, our prayer is that you've been blessed and we hope you have a great week.